to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. Open your Bibles there, and we're going to read some from Genesis chapter uh, 13. But I want to read some now, one verse. You know, it's, a, it's amazing to me how folks have spread deity around. Now, let me share what I'm talking about. It's amazing, and maybe some of you are guilty. Now, I'll have you stand a minute and we'll read, but let me share this with you. I believe if Matthew or Paul could walk in this building and somebody would say, St. Paul or St. Matthew, they'd look around and see who we're talking about. Now, here's the thing about it. Men in the Bible were just men. Paul said of himself, I was chiefest of sinners. Now, God had to die for Paul just like he had to die for me. And here's what I'm saying tonight. Don't deitize or put up on a pedestal men in the Bible. There's only one man in the Bible that deserves our worship, and that's Jesus Christ. Now, let me share something with you. Let me just pick out something and read it here before I read our text scripture to show you the human fallibility of men in the Bible. And show you they were just human, and they made mistakes, they made blunders, and they, they come so short just like we did. Now, God used them to inspire them to write the Word of God. Now, I'm glad of that. I'm glad. You know what? And, and you know, I'm a, I'm a living proof, and Brother Brooks is a living proof. God don't find perfect men to use. He finds men. Amen? And saves them and then puts them to work. Amen? Now, let me show you something here. Look at chapter 12, would you, in verse 1, and then I'll have you stand in just a minute, and I'll read our text scripture. The Bible said in verse, 12, verse 1, chapter 12, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Now, would you stand up, please, and I'll share something with you about this verse in just a minute. We're going to look at verse thir chapter 13 now, and I want us to look in particular at verse 1 for just a moment. And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and lot with him into the south. Now, I wonder if you caught anything there. I wonder if you spotted anything. Didn't you? Well, it's, a very, it's easy to find that Abram had goofed. It shows a goof on his part. Really fouled up. You say, well, what did he do? Now, did you notice in chapter 12 and verse 1, God said, get thee from thy country and thy kindred. And in chapter 13 and verse 1, we find a nephew trotting along to the side of him. Amen. Here goes a nephew right with him. And God said, get away from that bunch of kin folks. <laughs> and there's a nephew right with him. Now, we'll read some, and I want you to follow, and I'm going to tell you something before we get to it. Now, they're rich, and God's blessed them both. But God never really turned the spigot loose on Abram till that nephew got away from him. Now, let's read of the rest of it, starting in verse 2. Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. And he went on his journey from the south, even to Bethel, and the place where his tent had been at the beginning, between Bethel and the Hai. 
unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. There was a strife between the herdsmen of Abram's cattle and the herdsmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanites and the Perizzites dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then will I go to the right. Or if thou wilt depart to the right hand, then will I go to the left. <clears throat> now Abraham's making another mistake here. He's pulling another boner. Now I want you to get that. God hadn't given him that right yet. You don't start giving away something that's not yours yet. Amen. If I walk out here and start giving your car away to somebody, I'll probably wake up with a knot on my head. So how you'll have to climb a ladder to scratch it. Amen. And Abraham here is dishing out now. <laughs> And you'll find out in just a minute now. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou cometh unto Zorah. Then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelling in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelling in the cities of the plains, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. And the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now notice verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Abram, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes, and looked from the place where thou art toward the no northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. Now, Father, we are grateful now for thy blessings. I pray in Jesus' name that thou would help us Tonight, as we preach, Lord, to say something that will be beneficial to the hearts of the listener. God wins tonight. To me, is a special night. I always look forward to it. And I'm blessed by the gathering of your people that love that little close-knit time of fellowship together around the Word of God and in the fellowship of the saints and the Spirit of God. Now, Lord, bless us, we pray. Thou knowest our need physically, I pray you'll touch us according to thy will and our need. Direct our thinking. Our Father, we'll praise you for it in Christ's name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The story of Abraham and Lot is, and I say this not being respective of any of the Bible, but it is a classic story of the mistakes and the blunders of man. 
We see in these two men two kinds. Quite naturally, if you've read into the Bible, you certainly can pick that out readily. But I want us to notice some things in particular tonight about Lot. I want us to see some things that's very important that might in some way be beneficial to your life, and I know certainly it has been in my own life. Now, here, as I've showed to you, is a nephew of the great man Abram, or later called Abraham. God had instructed Abraham to get thee out from thy country and from thy kindred unto a land that I will show thee. The journey begins, and Lot journeys along with this uncle of his. I see God restrained from dishing out the blessings and giving the leadership that he would have to be the leadership of Abraham. But notice one day there begins a division to come up between the herdsmen of Lot and the herdsmen of Abraham. And Abram said, Now, Lot, it's not right that there's a bickering going on among my herdsmen and your herdsmen. It's not right, he said, we be brethren. Then you see the picture how Abram said, Now, just Lot, just pick out your land. Just any way you want to go. Just uh, there it is, Lot. Just go ahead now and get what you want and go anyway. We've got to separate here. And I want you to notice where Lot stumbled, where he made his first blunder. I want you to see that great mistake of this man that walked with Abraham. The Bible said that Lot chose him a, a water and grass. And he began to look down there and said, Oh, look at all that grass. And look at all that water. And look at my cattle. I need that. I want to preach tonight on wrong priorities. Wrong priorities. You said, what are you talking about? Did you know the Bible said, I'll Seek you first the second things of God. And all of these, you're looking at me funny. What have I said wrong? No, it didn't say second. It said seek you first, my friend, of the things of God. And all of these things shall be added unto you. Did you know today I see man just exactly like Lot? My dear friend, they don't seek the face of God. And they start building their lives. And they start doing this and reaching out here and getting some of this and reaching over there and getting some of that. And one day their castles begin to fall and crumble. Brother, you hear me tonight. You better get your priorities straightened out and seek the things of God first. One day your life will crumble around you and be nothing left. I've seen men's lives in the office mess I've ever saw. You say, what are you talking about? I don't know whether it disturbs you or not. Have you noticed the divorce rate lately? Have any of you folks looked at it? It'll, listen, I never seen nothing like it in my life. Homes are coming apart. Now, somebody said, what's happened? Psalms 37, verse 7 said, Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. You know, I believe with all my soul and with all of my heart, that man or that woman that will wait till God gives directions in their life for the mate of their life, I believe, bless your dear heart, 
that home will work out. I believe that. You know why I believe there's a lot of homes in trouble today? Some girl will see a boy, and he's so tall, or he's so big, or the color of his hair is so-and-so, or he's driving such-and-such a car, and they said, I want him. The man God may want you to have may be as ugly as a mud-fist dog with tadpoles, but if God wants you to have him, I'll wait on him, and God will bless you. Get your priority right. Lot said, I gotta have it because it's grass down there. But now he never noticed, bless you, dear heart, that that land was a wicked land. It was a terrible. The Bible said the men of that city were exceedingly wicked. Amen. They were a bunch of perverts, a bunch of homosexuals, uh, and dirty and filthy. Uh, and Lot said, I'm going to take it anyhow. You said, now, preacher, what do, you, what do you mean priorities? Let me show you something. Do you think any man with any sense and any spiritual depth at all would have tucked his family down there in that mess? Amen. You know what that man, he said, that I want that grass more than I want my family. Amen. I want that grass and I want what's down there more than I want a thing for my daughters. And he had daughters. The Bible tells us he did. And he got some son-in-laws while he was down there. You say, well, what's wrong to move to Atlanta? There ain't a thing wrong moving to Atlanta. But when Atlanta moves into you, that's what's wrong. Amen. You say, well, now, preacher, what are you talking about? Lot ought to have had his priorities right. He ought to have said, there may not be as much grass that way, and I may not get as rich that way, but I'll have respect to my family. I'll have the love of my family. I'll find some husband for my daughter, and things going to work out better. Amen. I never saw the beating all the days of my life. Here's a country filled with people today that's not got their priorities right. They've got their priorities all messed up. They're majoring on the minor. Do you know today? It's the truth, and God bear me record. Some of the miserablest people I ever saw in my life are running around this whole world today. Miserable. I mean miserable. I've never saw a world like this. Listen to this. We've got that. This is a got to have age. I'm going to have one of them. And I'm going to, I got to have that. And ooh, I'm going to have one of them too if I can get it. And I got to have two of them. And somehow or other, it, it puts us in another category if we've got two of everything. Two of ever got to have two cars, got to have two bicycles, got to have two lawnmowers, got to have two, got to have got to have two. But folks, hear me today, the priority is not on things, it's knowing the will of God. Knowing the will of God. Now somebody said you're while back and I took you to, I tried to take you to, I, I hope that they, a man walked up to me and I'll say this and don't, don't think I'm taking personal reflection on me to show how good I am. But he said this, and I never asked for it. And maybe he saw that in my life. But you know, he said something. He said, Preacher, with a personality like you've got, and you can meet people, he said, there's not a thing in the world you couldn't have done. He said, you could have been in any a company if you'd have wanted to be in it. He said, you've got a personality, a big old smile, and you meet people, folks easy. He said, you could have went up the ladder. Well, I might have done that. I might have done that, but I'd have been in the same mess Lot was in. That wasn't what God wanted for my life. You know, it's amazing today. Folks think if, they can, if we can get a split-level house, or if we can get the... Uh, uh, listen, I know a man today that's got a... And I, I laugh at him. He, he's the miserablest man I ever saw. He's got a big yacht up younger. <laughs> he's got a, a yacht up on a certain lake. And listen, did you know... He can't even afford to put gas in. 
He can't even crank the engine with stinking thing, amen? Now, ain't that sick? And you know you take folks, and I, I, I found this out accidentally. The folks will say, hey, let's take me a ride on your, on your yacht. He thought that yacht would make him happy. Things don't make you happy. It's me and in the will of God that makes you happy. Amen. Lot said, I've got to have that grass down there. I don't care what it's going to cost me. I don't care what it'll do to my family. I don't care where it'll take me. I'm going to have that grass and I'm going to have that water. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. I believe it is important to get your priorities straightened out. I believe that. I think where my ministry would be at right now if my priorities had been wrong. I think. Did you know I probably wouldn't even have a ministry? You say, what are you talking about? Now, let me share something with some of you smile at. Some of you may even laugh at. And some of you may say, ah. But it's the truth anyhow. I remember. Now, see, here's the thing about it. You don't. How many of you have never met my wife? Let me see. You've never met my wife. Never have. All right, let me say this. Let me say this honestly, and I say it with, with sincerity. I never say anything that I meant more in my life. God knows I speak the truth. i got one of the most precious wives that a man ever had. I mean that. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Now, let me share something with you. I got out of the army March the 12th, 1946. That was when I got out. I, I got off of a bus... At the little town my dad and mom had moved to, I didn't know anybody in that town. I didn't know any, not a soul. Now, God had called me to preach November the 23rd, 1943, 20 minutes after 12, Camp Walters, Texas, A Company, second platoon on the left, upstairs, on the second bunk on the left, on the top bunk. That's where God called me to preach, amen? Now, I hadn't surrendered to that call yet. I hadn't preached any yet, and I determined I wasn't going to preach. <laughs> I done told God that. Of course, it didn't work out that way. Anyhow, I said, God, I ain't going to preach. I just ain't going to. Well, anyhow, I got off of that bus, and... and <clears throat> I walked up on the hill. I hollered for Mama down the yard. We had a shout and spell. Mama squalled, I squalled, or Daddy squalled. All of God's children squalled, amen. We all squalled. Here squalled, there squalled, everyone squalled. Well, anyhow, we just having a squall in time. Well, we talked, and Daddy said, Well, we knew you was coming in, so we've announced a prayer meeting tonight, a cottage prayer meeting. We're going to have that in honor of you coming home. Now, remember, I didn't know nobody there. I didn't know a soul. Honest, I didn't. New town, new faces. Well, I think my grandparents, they did live there, too. I knew them. But anyhow, the folks started coming in. I didn't know anybody. Daddy would say, this is my son, Ed. He introduced me to folks. I'd say, I'm glad to see you. And I was sitting down on a couch in the living room where the folks were gathering in. And all of a sudden, a lady... And two girls came in the door. Now, notice something. I said you might laugh at this, but God bear me record. As the two girls walked in the door and the last one came through the door, the Holy Spirit said, that's your wife. You said, I don't believe things like that. I can't help whether you believe it or not, stupid. Amen. I don't care whether you believe it. Somebody said, what happened? Three weeks later, I married her. And you said that wasn't long. When you know it's the will of God, you don't have to mess around. Amen. Just go ahead. Amen. Now somebody said, well, see, I, I, I want my priorities to be right. I want the will of God to be in my life. 
I want God to say, this is the way, walk ye in it. I don't, I want to know that God, now you say it's God's sovereign. Yes, God is sovereign. I believe with all my heart that we can resist the grace of God. I believe we can resist the will of God. We can say no to the will of God. But when you do it, you'll get in trouble. I believe with all my heart there's men in trouble right now because they never waited on God. I believe there's girls in trouble right now that didn't wait on God. They wouldn't wait for God to show them their, His will for their life. And when you don't know the will of God in your life, you're in a mess. You're in trouble. You're Listen, friend of mine, to know the will of God is the most blessed experience. I mean, oh, I'm having just a good time preaching tonight. Just to know the will of God. Just to know this is what God wants for your life. Oh, when a preacher said, I know this is where God wants me to pastor. Oh, isn't that a blessed thing? Isn't that blessed? Oh, listen. I never will forget. Uh, I see, I stayed in Florida for nine years pastoring there. I went to a church. They called me to come and try out in a northern state for a church. Boy, they flew me there and got me off of the plane. And Oh, you talk about being nice to me. I never had folks to be as nice to me in my life. My goodness, they just, they couldn't do enough for me. And they showed me their big, beautiful church, and they showed me their pastorium, and oh, it was so nice. Everything, and told me about the salary, and I thought they'd mashed the wrong key. And I tell you, I hadn't heard about money like that, see. I mean, it was, listen, I mean, it wasn't chicken feed, it was money. I mean, money. Well, uh, they said, now, preacher, don't you think you, and they got me up in the pulpit, said, boy, you look like, you look nice up there. Hey, Amen. And you know what the devil does? He'd say, well, you, you do look pretty good. <laughs> Amen. And you just uh, said, oh, doesn't your voice just sound so good in this big old fine building? And all of a sudden, you know, I just I just said, man, that pulpit just, just matches me so good. Oh, Leah, don't I look just right? It was all so impressive. They got the few of them started calling me Dr. Brown. <laughs> Mm. I mean, they were really buttering me up. They got me on the plane and said, Now, we'll want your answer right away. I went back home and got off at the airport. My wife come to pick me up. And uh, she said, Well, how was it? I said, Oh, it's something. You ought to see that, uh, you ought to see that pastor in two bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, whoo! Carpet, ooh, feel that, that squishy, that squishy sound under your feet. That squish, squish, squish. Ooh, I'd have been at HNIC up there. Amen. Oh, I'd have been one up there. Oh, I really would. But you know, we got back to the house, and uh, I had a radio broadcast by tape recording in Florida. Sent a tape down there every week. We got back to the house, and as we was getting it, going up on the porch, the phone started ringing. This is on a Monday. Walked in, and somebody, as a Hungarian, and talked in an accent. He said, Reverend Baloo, we want you to come down and pastor our church. I said, uh, you, I beg your pardon? He said, we hear you on the radio every Sunday. We don't have a church, and we're not a split off of a church. Just a few folks that need a church and need that kind of preaching. And said, we need you to come down and pastor our church. I said, what's the name of your church? He said, we don't have one yet. <laughs> squish, 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 squish. Amen. Well, I said, I don't know. He said, we feel like God would have you come down. 
Well, I said, I'm free on such and such a Sunday. And he said, come down. Never told me they'd pay my way. I mean, I had to drive. They wasn't even going to fly me. Oh, listen. I mean, listen. And I got down there. I never will forget it. They had an old building, honest, before God. The snakes had used it as a dressing room. They just crawled out of their hides and crept crawling. The old windows had old boards nailed over it. And one had an old coat stuffed in it. And one old boy, an ex-Catholic, had made me a pulpit out of some two-by-eights. And he didn't know what you call a pulpit. He called it a pounder. He said, it's what you pound on. Amen. Never will forget that. And he'd had some left over, some two-by-eights left over, and he had made me a chair to sit in. And it was so heavy, it took two of us to carry. I mean, it's the awfulest-looking mess you've ever seen in your life. And, and honest, there's 11 there. Honest, it was the awfulest-looking mess you've ever looked at. But I got up to preach. Nobody had called me a doctor. There wasn't no finery. But the Holy Ghost said, Here's what I want you. Here's what I want you. Here's what I'm going to use you. After service, they said, Will you come? And I said, I can't hardly wait. I just can't hardly wait. I got back home, and some folks called me from that other state. And they said, when you get back, we're ready to come and get you. I said, it'll be a long way for you to come down here and get me and take me to Florida. Amen. They said, Florida. I said, yes, I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Florida. You said, well, now, preacher, how did you have it in Florida? Rough. The devil fought me for nine years. There wasn't a day that he didn't throw something at me. But I saw hundreds and hundreds of people saved. I saw men and women, some of them now, men are preachers. Some of the dear ladies married preachers, their pastors' wives. Oh, you said, what is it? See, here's the thing about it. If you wait on God, till God gives you direction, and then go full speed ahead, God will bless you for it. Amen. I would say to every girl here, wait on God. Wait on God till God sends you a man. Well, you said, what if he don't send one? It would be better to die an old maid. And be in the blessed will of God. Yes. As to marry somebody to satisfy and gratify the flesh and be in misery all your life. Yes, huh? I look at my ministry right now. See, you don't see my wife, but she's right behind me. Yes. What if I'd have married one of these girls, you know, that said, you're not going to run over and leave me and go around the country preaching. I ain't going to stay here and raise the young ones. You ain't going to do that to... What if I'd have married one like this? Amen. Where would my ministry be at right now? What kind of a mess would I be in right now? You know, they've done something in Florida far last week. It's the only time anybody's ever done it. That preacher got up and I know as well God moved on his heart. Boy, he couldn't talk tears of poison. And he had spotted this in my life, that I had to have a wife 
that was really, really something rather than just a little old flashy girl. Oh, she might not win a Hollywood beauty contest. To me, she's the prettiest wife a man ever had. Amen. Oh, she to me is a beauty. And I love her so much. But you know, last week that preacher spotted this. And I'm not saying this to get anybody to do it. I'm just saying this. That preacher spotted this and he said, 400 miles from here is a woman that's got to be something. She's got to be a past the ordinary. Or this preacher couldn't stand like he does. And he said, I want us to make up Brother Blue's wife an offering. Because she's been in this revival right with us. She had to be here in spirit. Or this man couldn't stand like he does. And I said, thrilled. I'm honest. They've never done that. Nobody's ever done that. And they made her up $400. Glory to God. Amen. You say, well, now, wait a minute, preacher. Here's the thing, what I'm saying to you, friend of mine tonight. Get your priorities straightened out. Find the will of God. It may take some time, and you may not find it tomorrow. But when you find it, it'll be the most blessed time in your life. It'll be the most blessed time in your life. Lot missed his, got his priorities all fouled up. He traded grace for grass. He got out of the will of God by putting importance on a monitor inside of the thing. Amen. Them shaking hands with you and telling how much they left. That's something. Yeah, but when you feel a sharp pain hit you out of the lower rib and know somebody stuck a knife in you, oh, God, that ain't something. Amen. When they tell old vicious stories on you, and I mean, I said last night I've been accused of everything except stealing nigger baby and painting it white. I've had it all told on me. You name it, it's been told. Ain't nothing. No, it's not. It's not that flashy life. See, you'll go home to your families. You go home to your families every night. And I'm going to say this. Don't you feel sorry for me? I'm not trying to say this sympathy. I'll show you a point in just a minute. I go into a, I go into a motel room and set my suitcase down. And I close that door. And that's the loneliest place in the world. That's the truth, preacher. The walls start coming in. That's the lonely spot in the world. Well, you said, how do you go through it? Knowing I'm in the will of God. That's the only way you could say it. Why, you listen. You'd come out, listen, if you didn't have God with you, you'd come out of the room going, you'd go, hey! Amen. But to know this is the will of God for my life, for what God wants for me, is the most vital part of my life. Amen. Amen. Why, listen, you think it's flashy. How would you like to go work with a preacher and the first night him get mad at you and go sit down in the back pew and wouldn't speak to you the rest of the week? Amen. How'd you like that? I mean, how, how would you like for the pastor's wife to come by you at the door like his poor and say, mm. huh? Well, you said, I'd leave. See, God wouldn't let me. 
God said, I'm going to let you stay here and see if you'll get up enough nerve to ask you to leave. He never did get up enough nerve. <laughs> Amen. And I stayed. Amen. Oh, you said, all that money you're making. You're crazy. You're crazy. There's churches that have to borrow money to get back home. Bar- I mean, borrow it. You say, well, what makes you so happy? No, simply, I found the will of God for my life, and I'm in it, hallelujah, with all the hell that the devil throws at me. And friend, when you miss the will of God for your life, you really miss it. You Lot said, I'm going to have that grass, and I'm going to have that water. Now, he said, probably, probably said, I know it's wicked down there, but we'll just kind of stay to ourselves, you know. We won't get mixed up in it. Hey, did you ever try to say, I'm gonna, I ain't going to get messed up in that? And finally you found yourself just kind of easing into it. Easing into it. I know of a man that went right up the ladder of success, and I warned him, and I told him, I said, watch out, boy. Watch out. You better watch out. There's nothing wrong with being successful in a clean way. There ain't nothing wrong with that. But I said, they started having parties soon. I said, boy, you better watch them parties he said, ah, they know I'm a Christian. One day his wife called me. He came in with alcohol on his brain. And I went to him and he said, I just had one little glass, preacher. But see, now he's out of the way. He had no intention of doing that when he started. But he said, that was the big boys. And if I'd have turned them down, I'd have lost their business. I just a social drink. I didn't mean to get involved in nothing, preacher. You know I ain't going no But you know where he is now? His home's wrecked. He drinks like a fish. I mean like a fish. And every time I see him, he said, you told me, preacher. I didn't mean to do it. But see, he let the devil slip upon him and just a little bit of poison at a time. There may be somebody here right now that the devil has got you ignore the priorities of God. You said, well, I, I ain't going to Listen, they ain't going to get me. I, ain't, I don't have no plan. I ain't. But if you don't want your help, my dear friend, you'll miss the boat. I know of a lady that came to our home and counseled with us. And she said, preacher, me and him just talked to start with. Well, we're just talking friendly. And said, we just shook hands. But said, you know, one day we held hands a little longer. And we talked a little longer. <clears throat> Do I have to tell you anymore? It went all the way. It went all the way. You said, didn't mean for the help, huh? No. That's exactly right. Lot, the devil probably told him, that's the best grace you'll ever find. But he never told him how costly every blade of grass was going to be. He never told him that. Isn't it amazing how much the devil holds out on you? Isn't it amazing he'll never tell you about the wrecked homes and the wrecked lives and a wrecked influence and a wrecked testimony and a wrecked... He'll never tell you about that. Because he don't show you what wrong priorities will do for your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added unto you. All of it shall be added. 
Seek God first. Seek what God wants for your life. Some of you boys right now. Some of you boys right now. You listen. You say, boy, I, I'm looking for me a wife. And you know how some of you judge wife material? It's amazing. I don't understand it. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Boys, pick out wives today according to how much leg they can see. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard of my I don't care if you can see six inches above her knees. She may not even be able to boil water. She couldn't cook the cat head biscuit if she had to. She don't know how to make sawmill gravy. Probably burned the bacon the first morning. And if she had to make biscuits other than getting them out of a can, you'd be in trouble. You heard about the little girl that called her mama, you know, after she'd got married and moved out and they'd give her a shower and she'd have cried. And her mama said, what's the matter, darling? Said, somebody's played a trick on me. Said, what's, what's happened, darling? Said, the mama, they gave me something in the shower and said, it's the ugliest thing I ever saw. Said, well, what is it? Said, it's a stick about 36 or 4 foot long. Said, you know, mama, that's just a stick that's got some old straw down on the end of it. Mama said, darling, that ain't no trick. That's a broom. A broom. Yeah, darling, that's a broom. Well, what do you do with it? Said, you sweep the floor. Oh, Baba. Said, what's the matter now? Said, somebody's cut the extension cord off of it. Isn't that stupid? Amen. Oh, you said she'll make a wife. Listen to me, friend of mine, when the kids are sick at home with a fever and you're trying to make a living and you can't, you try to buy all you can and your income's going short and you can't meet it. And she says, you won't give me one of them. You don't love me. Huh? You'll be sorry then. Boy, she had real flashy when you first met her, wasn't she? Ooh, them artificial eyebrows. Well, lashers, amen. <laughs> Wiggle them eyes at you like a calf in a hailstorm. Oh, she was a doll, wasn't she, man? Now you've got her, and you look at her and said, Oh, God, what was wrong with me? Huh? You said, Oh, preacher! What you talk? You better get your priorities right. You better get first things first. Know the will of God in your life. Oh, you said, well, what's wrong if I don't? I'll tell you what's wrong if you don't. There's going to be a day in your life you would to God that you'd have waited on the Lord. Yes. The Bible said, wait patiently upon the Lord. Wait for it. My dear friend, let me ask you a question. Do you pray about things in your life? I mean, do you genuinely pray about it? Do you seek the face of God about it? You said, oh, no, preacher, I just, if I feel good about it, I just... You know, I just go ahead and do it, and I think it'll all work out. It's amazing to me how many folks put so much stress on luck, and it'll work out. And just, I'm amazed at the stupid outfit that goes on luck. You know, ain't no such thing as luck, folks. Don't you know that? That's a dumb, you know, the dumbest thing I ever saw in my life, God knows this is the stupidest thing I ever saw in my life, is a grown man crawling around on his knees in the cow pasture looking for a four-leaf clover. Now, that man was really with it right there, wasn't he? He had all of his marbles. 
I preached on one time how I didn't believe in luck. And out in Dallas, Texas, a little boy walked up to me after service, had a rabbit's foot on a keychain. Said, do you know what this is? I said, yes, yeah, a rabbit's foot. I said, guess you know what it means, don't you? I said, well, sure, I know what it means. It means there's a rabbit somewhere with three feet. That's all it means, amen? You said luck. No, you don't base your hope on luck. You don't do that. You don't. Ain't no way. Either God's guiding and directing my life, and I let Him, or I'm heading for destruction out there somewhere in my life. You said it can't be so. It is so. I Listen, I tell you right now, preachers, brothers and sisters, if I've ever saw a day in my life when men better get their priorities straightened out, money won't bring happiness. We ought to have found that out by now. Amen? Men will spend every bit of their health to make wealth, and then they give all their wealth to get their health. Amen? Howard Hughes died just the other day. One of the richest men that ever lived. And look at him. Did you know he shut himself up? Wouldn't even get out. People that worked for him never even seen him. The man that put him on the plane that hauled him the last mile before he died said he was pale and sick. Before the pilot got there, the doctor said, you don't have to hurry now. All that money of Mr. Howard Hughes didn't do him a dime for the girl. Boy, I like that little song. It said, Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. He's satisfied. Hallelujah. He's satisfied. You know where I live right now? And I say this. God's given me a small, just a little small house. It's not, not anything fancy. It's small. God's given it to me. I say give it to me, the Lord willing. And I think uh, the Lord willing, if we can pay off, I'll give this $5,000. It'll be Sister Blues. If I die, well, I know he can't throw her out in the cold. I appreciate that. But you know what God's done? The road that I've got to take to go to that house... There was a day I rode a mule in from the field, and my mama was sitting on the front porch of an old house crying, saying, we don't have a bite in the world to eat. We don't have nothing. And God's fixed it now so that where I live now, to get to my house, I've got to go by that place. And every time I go by there, God said, I can bring you right back here, boy. Yeah. Huh? Oh, you said, I've got security. Well, the only security anybody's got is in Jesus. Amen. You don't have any security anywhere but in Christ. Amen. Amen. Ain't none. Job said, The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wasn't that song they sung a while ago? He brought me in. Oh, ladies, that was so good. You know the reason some of you are not as happy as you used to be? You forgot where God's brought you from. That's right. Amen. That's right. Amen. You know why I can shout and jump up and down and fall with the... Woo! You know why I can do that? I look back to those days when I had my hands filled with a deck of cards. I look back to that day. 
I looked back to a time when my feet was on a dance hall floor. I looked back to that time. I looked back at the wild parties and the bends and the dives, at the old filthy mouth and the corrupt mind. I looked back at that time. Till one day, in the gutters out in Dallas, Texas, or in Mineral Wells, Texas, I'd been in a gambling party all night long. My pockets were filled with money that I'd cheated men out of. But I walked out, and the bright sunlight hit me, and there's an old preacher preaching on the street corner. Don't ever cuss street corner preachers to me. Don't you ever do that to me. And that old preacher was standing there at a power pole at the corner, preaching like nobody ever heard in my life. And his finger looked like it was five miles long right up under my nose. Amen. And he was telling me I low down and how I needed God. And I never stopped till I got on my knees. In the gutter. They wasn't no fine choir singing, but right there, Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah! Oh, glory to God! Right there is where I got my priorities straightened out. Amen. And some of you run there, some of you boys and girls say, Ooh, I'm going to be this when I grow up, or I'm going to be that, or I want to be one of them. It may be that God will want you to be. Some missionary on a foreign field. It may be that God will put you in some little Sunday school class. Just three or four little boys and girls back in the back room. No applause will be for you. Nobody will pat you on the back and tell you how great you are. But if that's where God puts you, Paul said, I've learned whatsoever state I'm in just to be content. I'll just be... You girls may never... I don't know, you may have... You may never be famous for your singing. They may never even learn about you in Atlanta. They may not even know about you 15, 20 miles away. But if God wants you to gather over here behind this piano and sing like you've been singing this week, if that's where God wants you to bless hearts at, if that's where God puts you at, then just be, whoo! I tell you folks, I'm getting highly intoxicated right now. Oh, glory to God! And the Lamb forevermore. You may never get to play in Carnegie Hall. They may never know you as Liberace. But oh, glory to God. If you're putting your fingers down on keys and say, God, take it and use it. And that's what God wants. Your priorities are right. Amen. Get your priorities right. Find the will of God and walk in it. Yeah, my wife could have probably married somebody else. Never will forget. When I announced to her right after I'd met her, see, I told her from the time I met her, three weeks later, I married her. And I told her, I think on our first date, I said, this may come as a shock to you. But I said, you're going to marry me. She said, you are crazy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now then, you know what I tell her? You are crazy. Amen. You say, Brother Ed, I've got to climb the ladder of success. No, friend. No, no. No, that ain't it. To know that this is God's order for your life will be the most precious thing. Now then, if, you, if you're going to wrestle with that, and if you're going to try to argue with God about it, you'll be miserable. 
But if you know this is what God put you in, where He's put you, and what He wants for your life, let me share this with you. Let me share this with you. I told you about Brother Grady. And Grady, I'm not trying to embarrass you. You know I love you. You know that. Grady runs a service station. He greases his cars. He don't get up in front of a crowd with a suit on like I do. He don't uh, make any speeches. But you know what? Him and Joyce sitting there side by side. If it wasn't for friends like them, the devil would slow me down. Amen. See, here's the thing about it. I just went by to see him the other day. I'm kind of reluctant about going by. I know kind of tricks he pulls. I go by to see him. And he pulls my car in, glees it, fills it up with gas, puts plugs in it, tunes it up. And I said, Grady, let me pay you. No. Did you know what? They'll never know about Grady Thompson, Thomas and uh, Robertson, Florida. They'll never know about him. They'll never know that every time that old motor turns over, there's been a grease monkey up in Powder Springs, Georgia, that's kept that old preacher out on the road for Jesus. Somebody said, what's he doing? God's put him in my path. To be a help and a glory to God. I say, I say, bless the Lord. Amen. You say, well, now, preacher, I've got to be important. Find your spot where God wants you. And be there. Be there. Listen. Listen to me. Now, here's a watch a man gave me. 17 jewel. An old truck driver gave it to me. Now, it's not the hands on that watch that makes it important. Uh-uh. Them little black lines, now they're nice little black lines, but that ain't important. See that little thing like that little, that little, oh, ain't that nice, but that ain't important. It ain't that gold color that makes it different. But way down on the inside of it, there's some little jewels. You don't see them. And they've got the weights of stems and pinions upon them. And they don't ever say, I'm not important. And they hold up their load. And without them, it wouldn't run true. It wouldn't run after. Amen. Listen to me, Sunday school teacher. You may seem like your job's not important, but that little old boy and girl back there in your class, God may be trimming the rough spot. Woo! Glory to God. Oh, God knows he's going to need another preacher one day here. And so just stay faithful in this spot. Now listen, by yourself up here in the choir, you may not sound like much, but oh, when all the voices get around you and your voice goes in there, that's your spot. Be faithful in it. That's find your parties and get them right. Hallelujah to God. I wish I could preach another hour and a half. Amen. Oh, you say these little old boys and girls, what should I do with them? Shake hands with them. Be kind to them. Love them and sweet to them. Don't ever be mean to them and ugly. God may have them in your care to make one of the greatest preachers this country's ever known. I'm going to close, brother. I'm just out. I'm not through. I'm just going to slap out. Anyway, come on to the instrument. Play softly, please. Now, let me share something with you. Let me share something with you. Does the name... Do you know what she looks like? Do you know anything about her? You don't know her, do you? But now, let me share something with you. When I was a little old bitty boy, my dad was a drinking man. Now, I'd get to go to Sunday school. Aunt Maggie would set us down as kids back in the back of the church. I used to think they'd just let their baby sit, you know. They wouldn't. And they'd put her back there, and a little curtain would stretch over it. They'd just stretch a curtain there. And they'd get us kids. And Aunt Maggie would set us little kids down like that little girl there with her feet wouldn't even touch the floor. 
And you know what? You don't know, Aunt Maggie. But back in those days, they'd hand out little cards. Give you little cards, you know, have little pictures on them. And I don't care if it was Samson or what it was on that card. She'd wind up telling you about Jesus. Every single time. I don't care what it was. If it was Zacchaeus up a tree, she'd wind up on Jesus. Every time. I want to share something with you. I want to share this with you, folks. I was telling my wife some time ago, and I saw an old gray-headed lady come out of a store. Got in an old car. Most dilapidated thing you ever saw in your life. With a little old bitty gray-headed man, they started off down the street, and my wife come out, and I was having a jubilee. said, what in the world's the matter with you? And I said, see that little car going down the street? I said, that's Aunt Maggie. She said, who's Aunt Maggie? And I told her. It wasn't a week later, I was in a funeral, preaching a funeral, and I looked back, and I said, Aunt Maggie, and Uncle Horace. And after the service, I got her, and I said, darling, come in here, I want to talk to you. She looked up at me and said, Are you Ed? And I said, Yeah, I'm Ed. And I took her in and I sat her down back there where we used to teach us. I said, Ain't Maggie, has the devil ever told you you never did do nothing for Jesus? She said, Yeah, a few times. Has he ever told you your life wasn't important? Oh, yeah. She said, He sure has. And I reached out and got that little chubby woman. And I said, I want you to look at me, Aunt Maggie. Do you know how many preachers come out of that class back there? No. I said, you've got five full-time preachers and one foreign missionary. <laughs> see? You see me up here. Aunt Maggie's back there with a little class telling us about Jesus. She made an impression on my life that I'll never get over. She nailed some things down in my life now that I still reflect back on. Find your spot of service. It may be lowly, it may be humble. You may not be out with a spotlight shine on you. Nobody may never pat you on the back. But for you to lay down at night and put your pillow under your head and say, I'm in the will of God. Oh, glory to God. Amen. I'm in the will of God. Woo! When I go into my motel rooms and close that door behind me, the devil said, nobody loves you. And I can say, I'm in the will of God. That means so much. I won't ever hit bad. I won't ever act close. 